Welcome to our podcast series, Stories from the Field. I'm your host, Joy Keita, and with me today is Ron Pierce. It is good to be with you again, Joy. Great. I love this podcast because we get to hear all kinds of stories that you um, personally have heard from the field. Yes. So what do you have for us today? Well, this is going to be one on the uh, topic, shall we say, of deliverance, demonic deliverance. And I'm going to tell the story as it was related to me by the, this couple. And afterwards, I'm going to try to explain it to you just a little bit more, okay, as to what goes behind these sort of stories. So here we go. This was in India. And this couple came in, and they had just gone to a village to live and to start a church. There, was no, there were no Christians in that village. And a few days after getting there, they started to notice something going on because they were on a street with 15 other houses. And uh, they were renting this because they couldn't afford to buy a house, and they went in as church planters, etc. So they go in and they rent this place. But they started to notice something in all of these homes. And that was that at a certain time of the day, the demonic spirit of the goddess that they worshipped, this demonic spirit would come down into a home, one of the 15, and possess um, usually the woman in the household, and would go into that woman, and the woman would manifest demonic voices, actions, um, uh, drop to the floor, writhe around. Um, she would just become possessed and would manifest the possession. Well, this would last for, uh, I don't know what he said, but maybe an hour, two hours, something like that. And then it would leave. And all the families thought, this is this goddess that has come and possessed this person. The God is in our midst, shall we mm-hmm. say. And so they would think this is absolutely fantastic. Well, the pastor and his family... They saw this, and they thought, we've got to deliver these people from this. They recognize that, obviously. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very common in India, as we're going to mm-hmm. get to at the end, uh, as I describe this. And then all of a sudden, um, he said, we started to fast for 15 days. And they would be fasting and fasting and fasting and praying and praying and praying. And finally, on the 15th day, something happened. And the goddesses... Um, didn't um, come anymore. Hmm. In other words, there was a barrier that was put up through prayer Hmm. and nothing happened. And so the people were getting angry at this couple. Because they wanted the goddess to. Exactly. And they wanted this. And the the, the pastor obviously knew that they were, he was helping the people and this was wrong. And so um, he, um, he, he started to get angry <laughs> um, actions. Uh, they started to throw stones at his house, if I remember correctly. They were breaking windows if uh, that were there, all this sort of thing. So the people knew he had been praying. Yes, oh. yes. And because the timing of it was as soon as he moved into the town, okay. all of a sudden, right. no more manifestations. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they, they sort of picked up on mm-hmm. the fact who is this guy? And then he would have been witnessing to them, right. I'm sure, and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And he wouldn't have been quiet about his resistance to this. So, therefore, they came at him and they said, leave, get out of here. But he had nowhere else to go. Mm. So, then he starts to pray. And the number 15 is very symbolic here for some reason. Mm-hmm. He starts to pray for another 15 days with his wife. Well, in the midst of this, his wife became very, very ill and very weak. And she couldn't get out of bed. And therefore, it was hard with the children and everything like that to take care of the family. 
and do what was necessary. So she was in bed, and there was nothing going on. Well, this one day, she dragged herself up out of bed. She goes into the kitchen, and when she gets there, um, she finds that there's hot food on the on the on the um, stove and had just been prepared with all of the trappings of a meal, and so she goes to her husband and she knew the answer to this. She <laughs> said, "Did you, did you make this?" Well, no, I don't cook. I don't know how to cook. You know, it's like wow. me. I couldn't start on it. <laughs> so they found that the door outside had been locked, the windows had been closed, the door inside had been locked, and. They opened the door, and nobody had been there. So they knew, and this is what he said, they knew that an angel had come down and made them supper. Wow. And that God was there taking care of their needs. Even while their persecution from the outside, right. they were praying, and, and they were, you know, fasting. Yes, the mom and dad, but not the little ones. Mm-hmm. And so they were going through this. So after this whole thing happened, um, on the 15th day again, mm-hmm. he said this happened. He says, all of a sudden— the demons came back, but they came back in force, and they wouldn't leave. In other words, they would go to the homes of these people that had worshipped them. They would come down, and for seven days, they were writhing on the floor. They, they wouldn't leave, and therefore, this was scary for the people. Yeah. And this is sort of like God's answer to prayer. So you want this? You're going to get it. Wow. And therefore, they were in trouble, and they were totally non-functional, he said. So afterwards, what happened was, is that the people came to him and they said, can you release us from this? You've got to do something. So he went and he would walk up to the gate, shall we say, of their yard or the perimeter, etc. They are not have Western type homes, but sort of we'll say to the gate. They walk up there. He starts to pray. He starts to bind these spirits and they disappear. Mm-hmm. He goes to the next house and they didn't even have to go into the house or even see the person. They would see that the the the, uh, the uh, demon would scream and go away, hmm. and this freed up the entire town, and therefore many people started to accept Christ. Well, there's another part to the story. Not too far from here was a home or a village, rather, of prostitutes, and this was these prostitutes in this village. And this was their livelihood. It was a community sort of mm-hmm. thing. And therefore, the demons, when they left this one village I just told you about, they went over to the prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And they would be possessing the prostitutes, and they would go through the same thing there. Well, this meant that this whole village was in trouble. Right. And now they came to the pastor, and they said, would you please come and free us too, like you freed the other village? So he went into the into that village, prayed over the homes, prayed for the prostitutes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, freed every one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, all, if not all, almost all of the prostitutes accepted the Lord, mm-hmm. and they came to Christ as well. Well, when I left and I'd heard the story, etc., they started with fifteen families. When I left, there were a hundred families, and vi- and churches were started in these two villages. Wow! Now here's the lesson, Joy. That this is very, very common around the world because people get involved with worshiping demons through worshiping these other gods. And in India, there are literally billions of gods. Mm. Everything is a god, you might say. And people will raise these graven images or these animals or these various things that they worship. And they will call them gods. They will lift them up and give them control over their lives. 
Now, I'm not going to go into a long, deep thing on demon possession and demonology or anything like that. But I'm going to tell you this, that this is more common overseas than you can ever imagine. In various countries, Haiti is a terrible place for this. Because it's not very common in North America. That's where I'm getting to. Okay. Um, we don't see it here as much. Right. It is here. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But not in the same scale as it is overseas in many of these countries, where this is a traditional thing that has been passed on, and many of these world religions really envelop and embrace mm-hmm. the demonic possession idea. Hinduism and so, believe it or not, Islam, too, in a syncretistic way with their own religion, can put these things together. And therefore, demons have a great control over the lives of so many people. So when Christians, like this pastor and his wife, will walk into these situations, many, many times they will have to clean house. And I've heard these stories over and over again. It's not something that is glorified. There's no um, ministry around it. They don't write books about it. They don't Mm -hmm. go on television and talk about it. They just clean the house when they would go into an area. Or if it came into it, they would stand against it. But they don't make a big thing out of it. And this is what I'm trying to tell people through this telling the story. Many times we glorify and give too much attention to this demonic activity, mm-hmm. both here at home and even around the world. Right. That's not the way the national church handles this, one little bit. Mm-hmm. They will go in, they will pray, they trust Jesus to clean things out, and then they don't talk about it anymore. Right. It's done. And therefore, their eyes are on Jesus. They glorify the Lord. Mm-hmm. They don't give attention to or spend a lot of time in the darkness. They will cut through the darkness with the light. And then the Spirit of God will take over and protect them after this. And that obviously has many applications for all of us not to spend too much time in the darkness, if any, and focus on the light. Well, that's the thing. Some people are so enthralled with um, demons and blackness and darkness and all that sort of thing that their lives revolve around. They look for it. Well, these people don't have to look for it. They're just there. And this is why I'm trying to tell folks here in North America whenever I go— this is one of the things that is normal in the world, spiritually. Some areas more than other areas. Some hardly at all. And that's why this is how they handled it in India, because they're mature about these things. Maturity means that you don't play with toys all the time. You grow up out of toys. Mm-hmm. Well, some Christians are playing with demons like toys. Right. And that is not a mature way of handling this. These people around the world I'm telling you about are much more mature in the faith than many people here. And this would be in a lot of countries because I think in Cuba with Santeria that all of these different countries, the focus on the dark spiritual arts much more. Oh, it's almost almost everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's seeping into Western culture and society too. It's not that we're immune to it, but it's the fact that it's not as strong and the presence isn't as strong here. I think because many countries have a Christian overview of life. They've grown up in a Judeo-Christian ethics, so we see. And that is protecting many, many people Mm -hmm. from an onslaught like this. But other religions around the world are are fertile fields Mm -hmm. for the work of the demons, as it was in Jesus' day. And he showed us how to handle these things. I wonder when you, to go back to the original story where he prayed for 15 days and he fasted. Yes. And he saw results. Yes. And then the miracle happened. And yes. I wonder if God did that because fif- the demons came and, and stayed. And if, if they hadn't been so encouraged by that miracle, 
perhaps they might have gotten discouraged. It's That's just true. really interesting. Well, there's, there's all sorts of things that go around. I, the one thing about when I travel around the world and hear these stories, the variety involved with how God does his work in the various cultures, the various parts of the stories, mm-hmm. you couldn't make this up if you tried. This is like when I go, it's like a smorgasbord, this huge <laughs> table of how God works. And there's a variation all the time. And it's exciting yeah. just to watch and see how God does this. Like, you're right. Um, you know, the angel going down and making supper, okay? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I've never heard that one before. And they must in that have way. needed that, right? Yeah. It, but God yeah. knows and is going ahead of us and taking care of us and dropping hints. And this is the one thing. God never does something in our lives without leaving a footprint. Mm-hmm. And that's why in all these areas around the world, with all the national stories I hear, there's always little footprints of how God or his messengers, angels in this mm-hmm. case, were active in the lives of the believers. That is important to watch for the footprints. Right. Well, thank you, Ron. As always, it was a great, exciting story to hear and lots to learn from it.